podcast one production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. In Health Hacker, we break down a health topic for you in every episode. But this is a Health Hacker interview where we find out from inspiring people how they've hacked their lives and then we pass the knowledge on to you. We call it Hacking the Hackers. Now, if you want us to hack into anything for you specifically, hit up Adam at healthhacker at themanshake.com.au via his Manshake socials or at manshake.com.au. He's always giving away prize packs as well. So jump on there, get in touch with him and let us know what you want Adam to hack into for you. And in this episode, we speak to Steve Willis, known as The Commando. And Mad Dog, I know you're pretty excited to have him in because we're going to talk not just about TV, but his health and fitness and you're going to start at the army. Yeah, look, um, my brother-in-law's um, an officer in the Army. He's been in there for a long time and through my rugby league and professional sporting career, had a bit to do with the uh, the Army um, and just amazing how much sacrifice these people make for our nation to give us the life that we live today. But more importantly, the mental toughness and, you know, their ability to go into conditions that other people can't and to, to do what Steve did in the Army was amazing. And, you know, we used to go in and do training camps in the off-season with SAS and you know, just doing a week of that nearly killed us. So, um, do you reckon they train way harder than footy players? I think they train much harder than footballers, and and they're playing for keeps. You know, people say that sports, you know, like the modern day gladiators, but the real gladiators are people that go to to war and, and put their lives on on the line for other people, and they're selfless. And you know, um, I think they train probably stupid a little bit, uh, yeah. <laughs> seeing some of the runs and the the packs oh. they carry on their back and and whatnot. But um, the man himself's here to to tell us how his body is after ten years in in the military. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm wonderful. It's uh, and to actually have walked in those shoes and spent some time in the military, I and where I am now to look back, it's it's like it actually didn't happen. And but at the same time, it's like how did it happen? Because that shift and that that uh, those experiences a- along the way really helped to um, open you up to life. And I think uh, in my time in the military, I joined in my late teens and I went through to about the age of 30. So pretty much my yeah. entire you know, younger years, those 20s, was was really shaped and the framework was put in place um, you know, being in the military. And I, I think a lot of it is um, it's the buy-in. Yep. You can't escape the seriousness of what it is that you're yeah. doing and the weight that that carries. And ultimately, you know, if um, if the integrity of what it is that you're doing is diminished in any capacity, well, you open yourself up and or others to uh, potentially, you know, dying. Yeah. And um, that's that's the end game. And it's you, you, you're putting your uh, your life on the line, you, and collectively, you're all putting your life on the line to. Um, you know, in, in the way of service and contribution and the training and the mindset and, and the belief needs to reflect that. Yeah. And it's, um, there's very much a standard and that standard is set and it's been in place, you know, for God knows how long they've, they've really shaped that standard. And there's a, there's a deeper understanding about why that's in place, but ultimately it's pulling the sleeves up, getting the job done. And, um, when you feel like, you can give no more or you're you're up against it and, and things are insurmountable, you've got to extract those attributes and the things that they're looking for and exude them. Yeah, and I always say people show their true character when they're under stress. Under pressure, that's exactly pressure. right. And yeah. it's 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 those coping mechanisms, it's those behaviours, those habits and a lot of those things that have been instilled in us from when we were really young. Yeah. And, um, you know, over the years, you know, my understanding and actually having a chat with a psychologist because there's the, all that uh, that passive testing that you go through and 
one of the things that they're looking for is that ability to disassociate in the moment. So that ability to kind of separate um, what is required of you and be quite rational about it and kind of put to bed the emotional side of your being. And um, that kind of goes into what I'm doing nowadays and just seeing a lot of my mates who are who are really suffering and you're seeing it even with yep. people coming out of sport who've mm. been really indoctrinated or doing something for a real for a very long time. They're so attached and identified to a way of being. When you're no longer that, well, who are you? Your identity is your ego and you can't- Because you spent your whole life building yourself to be somebody yep. and when you can no longer be that because of, say, an injury or, yep. you know, one of my mates gets, you know, he got blown up overseas, lost his legs, yeah. and he was an able-bodied, you know, fit human being who who loved, you know, the competition and kind of pitting himself against others and just giving it his all. And now he's missing two legs. So yeah. you can just understand how that's just it just eats away at every fiber of your being. And um you really question what's the point? Yep. And um it become becomes more of a head game. You again and a lot of that stuff that we've put to bed, um you know, throughout the time that we've done things comes bubbling up to the surface, little instances, sounds, you know, interactions with others. And um, because you haven't dealt with it, you put it all, you know, you kind of put it on a shelf and you haven't, you know, dealt with the small things, it just comes flooding and it's just like being hit by a tsunami. And it's like, how do I cope with this? How do I deal with this? And this is back to community and the like and, and having support and um, being, feeling safe enough in an environment that you can be vulnerable. I personally, as a, as a young guy, didn't really get shown or um, encouraged to embrace that way of being. Um, but going through what I've done with the military, you know, for myself in my teens, I didn't think much of myself. I didn't really like who I was. And my relationship with exercise is actually one of the things that um, you know, kicked it all off for me because I used exercise to hurt myself yeah. right. and, and kind of escape to not have to deal with my issues. There's all this suffering in my life. There's all this pain. There's all this fear. There must be another way. And then all of a sudden, I was, I think I was actually on Instagram yeah, and right. I was um, looking at a page of an MMA fighter in, in um, South America and he posted a book called Crooked Cucumber by Shunru Suzuki, who yeah. was a Japanese Zen Buddhist master. And then it all just came about from there and yeah. I- I landed on a Thich Nhat Hanh book. I think it was called Fear, mm -hmm. and I read that, and it just just sat me on my backside. Yeah, wow. It was just, it was like I had written the book to myself. And then there was the other one, Reconciliation, Healing the Inner Child, and really just coming to terms with a lot of the stuff that um, you have in your life, but also realizing that it's not just mine. Yep. Like I like it, and wearing it so heavy. You know, my, my dad, my mum, and a lot of their suffering and things that they were incapable of reconciling with, like a relay race, they've just passed the baton on. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, generational trauma, they call it. Yeah, and, um, and for me to be aware of that and be able to reconcile with that, to heal that, and then let it go, it's so liberating. What I find fascinating about Thich Nhat Hanh is he, he's a Buddhist monk for, for everybody um, who wants to explore who he is, but he talks about the fact that there is – no negativity around wanting things and being successful. Mm. And that's where he's very modern in his, in his, I suppose, outlook. Um, because most monks believe that, you know, materialism is suffering and, and whatnot, mm. but he believes that it plays its role in society. But speaking of being present, what are your hacks for somebody to be more present? How would they get started? If they're sitting there now 
caught up looking at their phone continually, not engaging in conversation, which I reckon nine out of ten people are. Yeah. What's your hack to get people more engaged? Uh, well, it's it's definitely in that awareness piece, an understanding that the present moment has both the past and and the future contained within it. Yep. And and every moment, you can make a choice. Do you choose to be overwhelmed by your anger because? You're unsure of the situation, so you use your anger as like a facade to just kind of push it away. Um, or you can be a little calmer in your approach and and be more open and just yep. and actually listen to and and be attentive to somebody. And showing a person some attention helps to you know in their eyes validate them because yep. a lot of us we're constantly seeking validation and attention, and and we want that confirmation. We and we want recognition, and um, to just almost be just a sounding board sometimes and just sit and listen. You know, build rapport, share yeah. stories, um, I think is, uh, is another you know, beautiful aspect of, of connecting with, um, with other beings. But, but, but I think first and foremost within yourself yeah. in each and every moment because a lot of us will pull ourselves up when we're amongst other people but it's when we're on our own. And that's when the, the head trauma really starts to uh, – or head damage starts to kick in and um, – actually realizing that things aren't potentially as bad as they are. If you actually removed your story, who are you? Yeah. yeah. So actually observe that story and just, oh, there you go, being a little bit silly. And that's why talking, we actually create something tangible or writing it down. You start to realize some of the things that you think can be actually just a little bit. It's a good odd, hack, isn't it? Write nonsense. down your thoughts, yeah. Do you do and, that and, before and, you go to bed? Do you, is that something you do? Um, I, I meditate a lot. Yep, meditate, and, yep. And um, it's more just sitting there and being um, you know, with myself regardless yep. of the irritation or the upset or if I'm actually just feeling yeah, pretty yeah, calm. Yeah, yeah. Um, because a lot of the time you just, you, you, your mind, you, you, your ego just is like, it's too overwhelming and the fear just magnifies and you just want to run away. Yep. But just to be there and observe. Yep. And- the observation grows and you get better at, you know, feeling the discomfort in your body and tension. You know, a lot of us, you know, the way in which we even just carry our shoulders and, and how we breathe yep. um, sympathetically, you know, so that's fight or flight, fight or flight being yeah. able to just relax and just breathe into your belly. Yep. You know, it's, it's, um, it just opens you up. Yep. Depending on the age of children, but um, children before going to school, they're mindful, they're present. They're in the moment. Oh, yeah, they do bad, things. They? <laughs> they do. And I watch my yeah. near four-year-old son. He does things because he enjoys them. It, it brings him happiness and it brings him joy. He, he, he doesn't need to be conditioned about, you know, what joy and happiness is and, you know, to acquire something materialistic to be happy. He just, he just plays because it makes him feel good and he can burn off some energy and all this other topics. It's, 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 he doesn't have to go too deep in it and, and have – I guess, an expectation of an action for, with something in return. And I think that's where a lot of people fall over, especially with training. Yeah. They have this goal and the goal might be quite superficial. It doesn't carry enough weight and meaning. So then the commitment to that and the consistency, it diminishes over time. But the, And a lot of that is because the expectation, they want it yesterday. Mm. And uh, it, it – it just doesn't work like that. No, nah, and I always laugh when I say people um, say to me all the time, you know, I'm not losing as much weight as I, I'd like. And I'm like, how many years did it take you actually to put on yeah, that to weight? Yeah, put it on. <laughs> and then, like you said, what's your why? You know, when it's cold and it's miserable outside, if you don't have a why to anchor you to go out there to get out in the cold, if it's just something superficial, you're not going to do it. Yeah, and that's where community back, you know, and, plays and, a role. And, and, and support plays a big role. And having others around you 
who are quite comfortable in their own skin. So they don't have to project themselves into a situation. They can allow you to be yourself and all the things you might consider your faults or your failures and, and work through them. And um, that's quite comforting. You can They can be that shoulder for you to kind of lean upon because guaranteed at some point in time, you'll be the shoulder mm. for them to lean upon. We all go through the ebb and flow. We all have our ups and downs. And I think that's the common ground and um, I read a book a few years ago by Eric Greetens. He's an ex-Navy okay. SEAL. It's called Resilience. Mm. And that's essentially what I gleaned from his book. Pain, suffering, and fear is real, but it's not unique. Yeah. But a lot of us, we wear ours like it is unique because it's ours. <laughs> but what we tend to do is we make out that ours is more significant or, or uh, carries a heavier weight than others, and, and, and it doesn't. So if we can actually all unite on helping to ease one another's pain, suffering, and fears, I think we'd be in a much better place rather than doing all this finger-pointing. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. You, you alluded to it earlier. You used to actually train mm. to hurt yourself. Yeah. And, so how um, would you train differently now if looking back at your 20-year-old self, what would you do differently? W- um, to when I was younger? Yeah. I don't know if I'd... I'd want to do it any different. <laughs> I, I think it's through doing thing. that. It's yeah. through doing that that it's enabled me to be where I am and Agreed. have the understanding. But, but um, no, you've it's, answered. It's, it's, yeah, but it's, yeah, but it's but it's 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 a paradox in itself yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah, I de- well not so much in the training. I think my interaction and my reasons for training yep. would be different. The relationship with with exercise and and it, after the CrossFit Games, that's when I had a hard conversation with myself because I was so buckled, and um, it was like, why do I continue to do this the way that I'm? Doing? I was constantly seeking acceptance and and validation in others because I, in my younger years and growing up, I didn't think too much of myself. Yeah, right. And um, I, I this view that I I wasn't on an equal footing with my peers, so I'd push myself. To try and get that validation in, um, you know. Whereas as a youngster, you know, maybe if my father had been like, "Yeah, good work, yeah, great, give me a hug, done all that," yep. I would have gotten that, and I would have gotten over it. <laughs> but, but it's funny how but we carry a lot of that today. stuff. No, that's right. Yeah. Into our because I think sometimes in society at the moment, everyone is encouraged too much that they already think they've succeeded. So it's an interesting balance to be like. I still got to make you push with a little bit of negative reinforcement like the army, but also you still want some emotional support as well. Well, I think the emotional support and that understanding is is where a lot of focus is nowadays. Um, you know, there's some individuals out there doing great work and they've got um, like great teams behind them doing research and there's there's a lot of, you know, charities and, um, you know, look at, uh, well, are you okay isn't a charity as such, and, you know, and the, and the work that they're doing. But... Um, I've been doing some work with eye care, the old work cover, and that preventative space. It's about kind of having an understanding of of that side of our being, and um, an understanding that everyone's at a different stage, you know, in their lives and their journey, and how can they help um, to connect in that way, and just be not be so fearful of 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 feeling a certain way or being a certain way, and um, creating environments where people can express themselves so they can work through the stuff. Whereas in the past, we, we wouldn't talk about anything and um, we'd really bottle it up and then, you know, that just, that ends up, uh, you know, not so very uh, nice way. 
Well, you, you spoke about it. So, what would what would a training week look like for you these days? Because I did do your Commando Fit program. Oh, you online. did. Man, I was playing footy at the time. It was in the offset. It nearly it nearly buckled me. Like you <laughs> did one workout from memory. I did it, and you didn't put the bar down for ten minutes. Oh yeah, that was one of the benchmark workouts. That yeah. was ridiculous. But see, that's where I wanted to go <laughs> with some of that mental stuff. And um, it's too easy. And I even do it today when I train clients. You know, if you go down into a plank position, and um, I'll say, "All right, we're going to hold hold a plank for five minutes." You can rotate through elbows, side plank, side plank even a supine, yeah. but just don't put your hip on the ground. And they uh, they get blown. They're just like, wow. It's like I can't even hold like a plank of my elbows for 30 seconds. But you find over time by just changing those positions that you can actually support your own body weight. Yeah. But then I say at the end, and you'll find when you go time, a lot of people just go, ugh, and they just <laughs> collapse. And I'm like, no, when I call time, you're going to get up off the ground you know, with a semblance of grace and, you know, some dignity and, and maintain a level of control. You're not just going to just let it all go. Yeah. And a um, great hack. Back, I love that. Back to, the, back to the bar, it's exactly that because we're chasing output. We're chasing yeah. output. But if, if, you're, if you're not allowed to put the bar down and break it up into like sets and reps, well, it really starts to tap in. You need to be more aware. You need to be aware of your grip. You need to be aware of... If you're going to um, rest, are you going to rest at your hip? Are you going to rest, you know, in a front rack position or, you know, like if you're going to do a back squat or something like mm. that? And um, best positions to rest, you, you really start to deepen your understanding about your capabilities rather than just chasing a rep and just tearing the bar from the ground to the overhead. And, you know, I can only do it five times. You stand and look at the bar for 30 seconds. And, again, the blinkers are on and you yeah. just – Whereas you've got to look after that bar, and uh, otherwise the penalty was—I think it was burpees over it was the burpees, bar. Burpees, yeah, it was real, yeah. and it's tough workout. It just deepens. That's so it just interesting. Deepens your approach to your reasons why you train. Even go, oh, but you know, I'm, I'm not so strong going overhead, but I'm good in the deadlift. I'm all like, well, you know, there's some work that you need to do: strengthen your midline and and your ability to to take load to the overhead position. Because that encompasses quite a few things you were saying in this whole conversation so far. Is being appreciative of the workout you've done. So when mm. you put the bar down, it's almost like thanking it and giving it gratitude mm -hmm. that you've done a good workout. Being mindful of the workout by having to hold on to it the whole time keeps you really present and, and locked down. Like it's actually, that seems to really encompass everything you're talking about. And that's mindfulness and gratitude in a workout for a different why, which is a really great way of doing it. So when you set a goal now, do you think very differently on how you what your filter is for that or do you are you not so rigid with setting a goal because when you're in your 20s you probably would have been like yeah. gotta get massive now yes. you're like what does the goal look like for well, me a lot of it and your clients yeah so it's not so much um for myself having a goal it's more about my relationship with the present moment and and my state of being and um being comfortable in that and and over these past few years been comfortable in my own skin and I'm not so concerned with how people perceive me. So what it is that I engage in is the things that I'm passionate about and I actually enjoy. I enjoy going to the gym and enjoy lifting weights. I don't I still enjoy, you know, testing myself and taking it to the to the boundary, but I don't do it all the time. I felt like I had to in the past. And, you know, if I want to stretch for an hour, I'll stretch for an hour. Yeah. You know, everyone else might have finished their workout and be off having coffees and having a chin wag and I'll just I'll just stay there and 
and do it because I know that that creating the, that space within myself enables me to to have a crack again, you know, in the next day. But but for clients and and the goals and a lot of it, it's it's funny how they'll a lot of the time they don't even know what it is that they want. They think it's because it's a conditioning of the status quo, you know, to to look a certain way, <laughs> to to be a certain weight. Um, you know, even now and, and talking about the lady, ladies having more muscle tone, you know, being, you know, not so thin and um, carrying a bit more, you know, like leg muscles and and yeah. and, and, and the backside and you know, having some shoulders on them and it's it's funny how it's um kind of become that way and I'm like, is that what? But is that what you really want? Mm. And what's and, it for? And th- that's exactly right. Like, what is it that you want to do? Actually, with Matty Rogers, yeah. it makes me think. I just did a uh, an Ironman distance triathlon called Challenge Roth in Germany, all a part of his um, charity for ASD kids. Yeah, right. They did a season last year, and myself, Susie O'Neill, and Danny Wills did this year. And for me, that was a whole different bag of training. Like I've done a lot of that endurance type stuff in the army, but it wasn't you know to try and finish something within fifteen hours. Mm. And um, the one thing that stood out for me in the training was thinking about the end goal and that day and that competition and just how tired and debilitated I felt um, in the moment and I might have still had a 10K run to do and it's too easy to just go, blow it off. But I would project to that day and go, man, if I can't do this 10K run, what chance have I got of running a marathon after cycling 180Ks? Like, come on, mate, pick yourself up. You've got to get out there. But a lot of what creates the hang-up is the feelings of like being exhausted and in that you might want to be running a certain time because in your mind you it's like if I'm going to go out and run I want to be able to run five minute 30 k's well right now in the state that you're in and all the other training and swimming and cycling you've done and life and kids you might only be able to run six tens so accept that suck it up and just go out and do it and you find the more that you do that the more you're willing to just strap on your, sh- you know, pull the shoes on and, and just get out and do what, do what needs to be done. And it's, again, the present moment. It's um, what can I do right now? And on the day when I did the, the challenge in Germany, I made a commitment to myself to not walk the marathon at all. And I got off the bike and I was walking sideways. I, I, was, <laughs> I, was, off the, I was off my head. Because you get tunnel vision, if uh, I've learned and reading about it, on a bike. Mm. And um, it actually becomes quite dangerous because people will end up all over the place. Yeah. And um, I went into that run. I said, I'm not going to walk and I don't care what my splits are. I'm just going to work on my cadence. My brother taught me one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Just work that. And, you know, I don't know how many times I said one, two, three, four <laughs> just with my, 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 my uh, foot strike. And I wanted to embrace and just as much as I was hurting – you know the joy and the and the happiness and and the gratitude and you know being amongst five thousand other people you know giving it their all on that day and you know the sun was shining it was it was just it was beautiful but then you look at the 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 professionals and mate they, they nothing else mattered it yeah. was about getting to that finish line first and 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 the hurt that they had to put themselves through in the process to be able to uh, reckon you have more that. fun I, definitely and I think. Therein lies the uh, back to my my four year old doing it because I actually enjoy it. 
The oh, advice for people some... trying to get fit and lose weight out there is to try to find the joy in why you're doing it. And, and, what's and I like. think that, and back to a hack, yep. is affirmations. Mm. You need to have affirmations. Mm. We seek the validation in others. We have a feeling, all right, I want to walk this path, but I'm, uns- I'm uncertain, and you want someone else to shine the light for you, and, and that's okay, but people aren't always going to be there for you mm. in, in that regard. And I used to say this to my contestants on The Biggest Loser, when the lights are off and the doors are closed and no one else is around, what are you willing to do? I said, because you can then put your hand on your heart when you step onto those scales at the end of the week and know that you've done everything that you can. And and majority of the time, you'll stay for the next week because you'll have had a, a big enough weight loss. But if you don't, and that's unfortunate, at least you go home knowing you gave it your all. What was the takeaway you got from the show? It was a very popular show. What was probably the biggest takeaway and lessons I suppose you learned from training them people? We're all we're all humans, and yeah. and and uh, we're all just trying to make our way, and um, you know, to 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 have interactions and and um, give people the the time of day who who may not benefit you, or you might not see uh, might not seem um, at first benefit you in any way, shape, or form. You just you just do it because you you. That you're that type of human being, you um you want to help them. I think it's a great tip, isn't it? You know, I always say to people out there trying to help people in the health space that people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. So you really need to care about people, and that should be your purpose. That's for being it. In this yeah, industry. it's 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 caring about people. It's given yeah. it's given us stuff, hey, and it's um I think in you know, well deep down in most of it's innate. Yep. To uh to care, but a lot of what stops it is our is our fears and, and our perceptions of uh, of things. And, and again, it's just creating safe environments. And when people feel safe yep. and um, there's a belief behind what it is that you're doing, that that breeds confidence. And, and, and people are just, they'll give, they'll give so much to the, to the cause. Yeah. They'll, they'll, and, and they'll surprise themselves what they're capable of giving. Sounds like the common thread from you is to get your body right, it all starts with the mind. Oh, of course it does. But for a lot of people, you got to get the body moving, mm. and then you you start to realise that you know it's where the hang ups are, where the hang ups are, mm. are in your views and your beliefs, and a lot of the time about yourself. Yeah, right. Because I've picked up now that obviously you've become a lot softer in your approach to whether it be exercise, whether it be diet. So, and you're not labelling yourself as any type of exerciser or. Mm. Or diet camp, which is refreshing because you know. Yeah, there's a there's a gen- another gentleman that um that I follow, and he's in his nineties. Ram Das. He's a an he was an American um, professor of psychology. Yep. He's in his as I was saying in his nineties, and he has a he has a film coming out called um, Becoming Nobody. Mm. And um, he says everybody's trying to be somebody nowadays, and he's at that stage in his life where there's certain Imminent truths that 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 are just around the corner, and coming to terms with those, but still just being a calm, centered human being. And in his seventies, he had a stroke, and he um, he uh, he said he thought that he'd reconciled with his ego and his attachment to his physical being, and then when he had a stroke, it was like it just brought up all this stuff around as a human being attached and identification. And he said it was the best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> you hear a person talk, yeah. the best thing that ever happened to him was have a stroke. Most people would, they'd never wish or will a stroke 
upon themselves. But this guy is just willing to investigate and deepen his understanding. And something that he said that um, he po they posted the other day around love is about um, about about giving love and and receiving love or, or, or taking love. And he said, just be love. Hmm. Just be it for no expectation or want other than to just be it. I was like, wow, man, when you can be so open and comfortable in, in who it is or who you are as a person and you know, things like nutrition and the training, they almost become insignificant. Yeah. They're, just, they're just a tool to help you understand and promote, um, as the Dalai Lama says, um, wellness that has sound basis. And whenever we do anything that has sound basis for ourselves and for the greater good, we all go on a journey together. Yeah, brilliant. Love it. So the lessons I've learned today are really unexpected. You know, people see Commando Steve as a guy who started his career wearing sunglasses, mm. the military background, really hard, full intensity. Everything was done at a million miles an hour. And here we've got this soft, gentle, deep <laughs> thinking person, which is, which is amazing to see how you've evolved. Um, are you shocked you, to see how you've evolved? No, because to hear you say that, and, I, and I've had others that I've, had interactions with the known over the years, um, talk about my younger years yeah. and, and kind of their perception of me. And they say that you were a hundred miles an hour. You were, you were like, you were ferocious <laughs> and, and you didn't hold back. And I was like, that's me. I think cause deep down inside, I always knew I was just a big teddy bear. <laughs> I was just this kind, considerate, you know, relatively calm human being yeah, yeah, and all that stuff was just, I think, behaviours that I thought that if I adopted would get me what it is that mm. I needed to to get and you know what? It has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's helped me to kind of, um, what's that book that, is it called The Alchemist? Where yeah, The, the shepherd, Alchemist. He, he goes out and comes Paul back to being mm. the shepherd boy. Yeah, yeah, It's all the experiences to realising that the grass isn't greener on the other side and to just be, just accept myself for who I am and be comfortable in my own skin and um, I guess not get so caught up and reactive to all that other stuff because it does, it creates a lot of agitation within you and, and upset and it's just like, okay, I'm just going to leave them doing what they're doing because it's the polarity of what it is they're doing uh, and, and the place in which I'm operating in. And as people can't stand being in that space anymore, they'll go looking for a different way. Yeah, a different way. And they'll yeah. look in the direction of where I am and what it is that I'm doing now. And you know, I think that happens for all of us in life. We all, the teacher will appear when the, uh, when the student is ready. He's ready, yeah. But you know, a lot of time we think of the teacher as someone of a similar age or yeah. older. And for, and talking before, my kids, yeah. they're actually younger than, you know, a lot. You know, well, they're my kids. and uh, But the things I've learned from them, and, and deepening my understanding about myself. And yeah. that in, in, in itself helps me to help others. We ask people this often on the show. It's a bit cheesy, but I quite like it. And you said a cool saying that the teacher will appear when the student is ready. I really believe that sometimes people aren't really ready to do something until they're ready. They've got to get there on their own. And I ask people this, what's the best piece of advice you've been given? The best piece of advice hmm. that I've been given, what can I do right now? Cool. So it's back for mindfulness and being mindfulness. And, 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 and Matt Rogers actually confirmed that for me. He, we were having a conversation one day and he, um, 
he said a sentence very similar to that. You know, in this moment, what can you do right now? And it was more around the physical side of things and, and getting yourself through the challenges that you'd kind of committed to. But it's 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 motto a motto for you know an Velocity. affirmation of, yeah. for, for life, really. And the more you can um, affirm that to yourself and 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 bring it into context in any given moment, you realise you're at you're at a, there's the opportunity and you're at a divide. Do you choose to go to the to the right or do you choose to go to the left? So your life motto, you reckon, would be, what can I do right now? What can I do right now? Love it. Commando Steve, thanks for coming on. Thank you. And remember, if there's a health question that you want Adam to hack into or we can try and find people to help us hack it like we did on this episode, hit Adam up, healthhacker at themanshake.com.au on his Manshake socials or manshake.com.au. He's always got prize packs to give away for people who get in touch or just leave a comment underneath the podcast. Health Hacker was created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. To listen to more episodes, search Health Hacker Podcast. Listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.